Two episodes ago, we left with a cliffhanger. We should. Oh yeah, we did part one, and then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and oh wait, then, did we? Yeah, remember so it was your third habit. You third. were like, "Oh, I gotta go train." Oh yeah, when I had to scoot off right quick. Yeah. I bet people well, are just sitting on the edge of their seat. <laughs> yeah. You did can't put me on the spot like this. <laughs> Waiting. I don't even remember what my first two were right at this point because I have a lot of habits. I'm trying to. <laughs> we'll come back to it. I yeah. think we could do something uh, similar again. Like yeah. two more habits each, and then you could cover right. your your, so your, well, I know your I, mystery habit. I, have, I have a bunch of habits. So I'm, I'm I'm willing to bet one was getting sunlight, two was doing my breast protocols, and three was ice showers. Uh, whatever those were all in there. Yeah. yeah, those were all in there. Yeah, I mean ice baths, ice baths. It was like morning hours. morning routine and uh, breathing practice, I believe. In mm-hmm. uh, in. Walking meditation, essentially, right. is another one I like to do. Nice dovetail. Walking meditation. Walking, that is a good dovetail. Right into aerobic efficiency. Yes. Yeah. Aerobic training, something... Uh, I don't know if it's outside the context of normal CrossFit, but I think for kind a long is, time yeah. it was. And yeah, it, it's it was starting too to, long. Yeah. starting yeah. to fish its way in. Yeah. Right. It was more about metabolic conditioning for the longest time. Yeah, yeah. and it's not, in, it's not in like the... the literature or the methodology so much right you you don't find it in the training but a lot of crossfitters have seen the benefits of it by now so and i'm seeing it a lot more put in intentionally into like especially like competitive crossfitters programming i think chris hinshaw was the main catalyst for that in the beginning and then yeah people got more and more exposed to it yeah so for those who don't know uh what we're talking about aerobic training so that's kind of I would say lower heart rate, more sustained effort, uh, typically longer duration. Absolutely, yeah. Sustained um, and repeatable would be a good uh, general definition, right? Yeah. So a lot of times we're doing, you know, higher heart rate, more explosive type anaerobic movements, um, and traditionally just uh, not even really thinking about doing in quote unquote endurance training. But they, I think they both need to be covered, especially this is something you've been talking about a lot, Eric, is for longevity and health reasons, not not just to bolster your performance, but more just for your well-being. Right. Like I think the sport of CrossFit and the performance side, you can get a lot from just doing high intensity stuff. But when you start getting to be, you know, 50 years old and you've been doing it for 30 years, then your body's going to start you know struggling to keep up with that so i think for the performance side of things i think high intensity and all that stuff makes sense especially when you're younger but for longevity and uh especially as you get older i think the uh, longer low intensity stuff is beneficial yeah and i would even surprisingly low intensity too right yeah yeah like to the point where you don't really i think our metric for what hard work is as crossfitters because we, we've potentially overdone it. So like when we're not right, we have a, heaving, we're like, oh, we didn't get a workout. Yep. But. Yeah. When I, it's funny, when I started 
tracking my heart rate and, and capping it at like 80%. Yep. The first time I was like, you know, hopped on a bike and I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep it super like low. This is supposed to be really low. And I was like, going, going, going. And I looked at my heart rate. It was like it's, 95%. It's you're just used to living in that high heart rate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so yeah. to slow it down, it felt really, really awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I went through that phase myself. Yeah. Um, it, it, and as far as a, a, an effective strategy for learning even pacing with, uh, with uh, aerobic power, sustainable power, it's, it's said that it's far better to start off less dense and long, like let's say a MAT-10, which would be um, for training for a few hours, mm-hmm. like your, whatever race you're doing, whatever event you're doing is a few hours. And then you work your way to more dense. So if we're still in, within aerobic power for those more dense versus less dense, if it's a few hours is, is the first place you start, then you'll work your way through. This might be a very long period of time, to like a 30 second on 30 second off but it's still sustainable for those 30 seconds mm-hmm. so then you you should have the exact same amount of work so in that sense the zone two starts us off in that place where we're doing that far less dense mm-hmm. and it keeps us there so we can develop the aerobic base which you want to have the base uh, pretty comprehensive before moving on down the line to to the far far more intense in right. those terms it's still aerobic and I think they serve, well, I don't think, I know that they serve each other physiologically. And this is one of the things, Leba, that I think you've brought to light uh, with a lot of us here, but me specifically as an athlete is the bigger your aerobic base is, the higher your peak of power output your, is. Your anaerobic peaks, yeah. Right? So like, uh, I don't know, if you neglect that uh, part of the pyramid, the lower part of the pyramid, then you can get really good at operating at 90% of your heart rate, but that you're going to kind of just be capped there forever. Yeah. And the, it's not the peak of the pyramid isn't going to go any higher because you're neglecting that, that uh, foundation of yeah. aerobic exactly, power yeah. or output. Right. You might have gotten really good at, I mean, tapping into lactic acid as a fuel substrate as a metabolic booster to your aerobic power, but you don't, you don't want to have to tap into it so quickly because you can extend out your aerobic power for much longer if you play your cards right with how you train, which mm. is training within... That, that stimulus of adaptation for the aerobic system. And then not to mention, uh, aside from just the performance benefits, um, and again, I think this is something Eric brought up a lot, is it's an awesome recovery tool in a way too. Like oh, yeah. just the, we brought this up to start the conversation with the morning walk, right? Like most people's mindset isn't, oh, I'm like doing exercise right now. You're just out walking your dog. But right. that is a time where you're increasing blood flow, you're elevating your heart yep. rate, you can work on breathing, you can work on um, controlling certain yep. things, right? And that is exercise. Right, absolutely. And it can be meaningful yeah. exercise. Right, too. then again, this is where uh, where people used to t- say they're doing, you guys remember this probably, they used to say, oh, I'm gonna do an active recovery. And then I asked them what the re- active recovery was and it was some just like god awful hard like run yeah. that they just called active recovery. But then that doesn't do the like what you're talking about of, of an appropriate amount of blood flow with tension and relaxation. Yeah, um, and low impact. Most and of zone, time. but zone two is an excellent way to stay within that realm of where it's going to serve as a as a really good active recovery. So yeah. zone two, can you guys put a a more like definitive definition on that? It's like capping your heart rate, and I think even like nasal breathing and the gears you talked about, they actually coincide like pretty much the same thing like if you're able to breathe mm-hmm. in and out through your nose only then you're probably yeah. going to be in 
in zone two. And that's and like sub 70% heart uh, rate typically? Under, in between 70 and 80%, yeah. yeah. Like okay. the max of 80%. Yeah. It depends on how, uh, I mean, how developed you are in nasal breathing, but I would venture to say that for zone two, you'd want to be in even a, uh, not a gear two, so you're not powering in. But you'd be even and even out. So like slow breaths in and slow breaths out. Not necessarily out. slow, but even. Okay. So rather, if I'm powering in, it's going to be, you're going to hear it. Okay. But as a gear one would be quieter. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's it's basically limiting your heart rate and then uh, and staying at that for the entire workout. Because I think what CrossFitters tend to do is even if we're good at pacing, we might start slow. Mm-hmm and our heart rates are a little bit lower and then we build and build, which is the best way to get like a good time and to get the most work capacity in yeah. um, to start slow and, and build. But um, it's kind of like if you never, I think the way Chris Hinshaw described it is like if you um, always resort to as soon as your aerobic base fails, then you switch to your um, anaerobic stuff or you know the other muscle then you're never going to actually strengthen that aerobic base. And so building, doing a workout that stays in the aerobic base for a long time. So like if you're rowing, for example, and your heart rate gets gets to 80% and starts going over, it's, as CrossFitters, it's easy to just go faster. Yep. And, and Get into work the here. lats. Yeah, and start. go to 95%. Yeah. And, and going into up. compensatory yeah. patterns. Right. That's where. And then, then you're not working your aerobic base anymore. So and then... So then by maximizing your heart rate in the beginning, like you'll, you'll reach 80% and then you have to feel like you're almost just like sitting on the seat for a lot of us yep. in the beginning. Um, but then like you were saying, you get better at it where you yeah. can go faster and faster and keep your heart rate under 80%. Yeah. And one thing it's worth noting is it's not even necessarily that 80%, if you can keep it at 80% for this long is better than keeping it 70% for this long. Right. Because if you stay in that 70%, then you're still extending out what your 70% is if you do it with regularity. Yeah. So then you're, you're, you'll have a new 70% with training there. So that'll improve if you stay within that 70. So right. it's not like we need to be seeking out 80% because it says we have from whatever, 70 to 80%. You can seek out 70% and stay there and then, and then uh, th- that'll over time that will become your 60% and then you'll keep moving to your 70%, right? Yeah, yeah the, the whole pyramid grows. Yep, right. it's the whole pyramid grows, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I just haven't had an epiphany and you mentioned that CrossFit doesn't include aerobic work really in the literature and I, I think it does kind of, uh, not specifically, but increasing your work capacity across broad time and mobile yes, domains. Yes, right. it, it does. But we're burdened by having an hour class Right. schedule everybody yeah. and it's not really a burden i mean that's kind of how it is right like to right. get the most uh, out to the masses um and to have an efficient affiliate and all those things you have an hour class and you do what you can with it but right. to work a really long low impact aerobic style of training is not something typically you're going to see in an hour-long class and right. maybe that's why it's neglected it's not so much that it's not ne- that it's not mentioned in the uh, in the literature, but it's just not something that's necessarily feasible to train in an hour class regularly. Right. And yeah. I think they, they say like, so broad time domains, you do want to be good at the long time domains. I think CrossFit does mention that, so that that's true, that is in there. Yeah. But then I think- you Just uh, never do it. Right. And <laughs> exactly, I, that's, it is in the methodology. Yeah, and I think, but also in the methodology, they say like, um, 
the short high intensity stuff builds your long base but not vice versa which i don't know yeah. i don't know if it still says that or so, if that's supported so Hinch, science, one of hinshaw's famous quotes is you can achieve an aerobic end by anaerobic means mm-hmm. or something akin to that so short bursts of anaerobic work over time repeated can increase your aerobic capacity right which that that was kind of more of a rudimentary understanding. I don't know if that's still something that's preached or if that's something that's viable scientifically. Well, but also at the same time, it depends on like how you approach training. For example, you could make a Murph a very aerobic workout, mm-hmm. and it would still be staying within your heart rate. It could be a mixed modality and stay within your heart rate, not just going for best score, mm-hmm. but going for best score as long as these parameters are met. Right? right. That could if you don't have a heart rate monitor, that could be your easy gear one. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't have to be that you have to get something like that to know if you're around a zone two. Yeah. So making it sustainable. There should, it, uh, if you were in a, if you were in a zone two Murph, for example, it would be pretty continuous, but you're only staying within your gear one. Mm-hmm. So you're taking shorter, short breaks. If you go into a gear two, you wait until you come back down, then you go back, continuing in that gear one. Yeah, or you could approach it like an interval where you're probably not on the run but even on the run you could run 200 stop recover run another 200 stop recover like there's different ways to do a workout so then you could like get your heart rate really high then drop it down get it high drop it down like an interval style so yeah that's the thing when you have something like murph you could approach that so many different ways and and train different engine systems you know yeah yeah i i think this was a bit, just this conversation was a big realization for me. It's like, well, why do we avoid that type of training? I don't think it's even uh, purposeful. I think it's just that you're kind of limited to an hour class, and if you're going to do a proper warm up, you're going to do proper skill development, you have maybe right. 30, 40, if you're going to do a long workout, 30 or 40 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. And that can be aerobic training, but um, to really work like those longer time domains, or if you're trying to uh, stay in that low heart rate for a long time, that's not necessarily always something that most gyms will mix into their class yeah i think they say like a minimum effective dose is like 30 minutes 30 yeah 30 minutes so if you're going so if you have an hour to warm up and cool down and all that that's that's all your time right there pretty much but um well thankfully you've added recently this is for the people at the our three locations with prime athletics a free zone two workout every week yeah you want to talk a little bit on that yeah, so that'll be, it'll be like zone two, but it'll also try to mix in some different movement type stuff, like maybe Turkish get-ups or even like things that we do in the warm-up, like the, you know, Spider-Man rotation or world greatest stretch, like those type of deals just to get your moving, get you moving. So it'll be um, good for recovery workouts, but also I think zone two should be like what I've, from what I've seen, it benefits you more the older you get. So the more, the more years you have under your belt, the uh, more time you should spend in zone two and the less time you should spend at high intensity. So just for pure recovery sake, I think. But That's like the training age you talked about last episode, right? <clears throat> training, well, training age uh, is, is in reference to how long the person has been formally training. Yeah. And meaningful training. Usually, we're not trying to see how long someone's been doing, uh, I don't know, water aerobics at the Y without having much impact from that. But, um, uh, yeah, training age is reference to when they've 
first started actual real training. So, so I guess then it's probably more age, more, yeah. more actual age. Yeah. As yeah. as and you age, it's more yeah, it's more like your body's ability to recover. So some people might be fifty year olds and they're still, you know, monsters at recovering, and maybe they can handle more. So it's pretty. I mean, I don't want to just say age, but in general, it's a good age. I think it's much more it's contribution. Yeah, and so, yeah. So if you're like a twenty year old, you know, been working out pretty much your whole life playing sports and stuff, then maybe you won't benefit as much from zone two, unless maybe you've been like a sprinter or something, and you know you can run like a you know a fast four hundred and a fast mile, but then you fall apart when you get over like a 5k then maybe you should spend more time in that uh, energy system but so like younger athletes maybe don't benefit as much from it but then as you get older you can benefit a lot because i think it affects you more on like a cellular level and so if your if your cells are still firing and full of you know youth and good energy then you're not going to notice it as much all right did did uh there is a a school uh that I talk about this sometimes as, as far as the, the astounding effect that uh, Zone 2 has on mental capacity as well. Um, and there was a school, they were like one of the last in the world as far as uh, academics goes. And then they implemented nothing in, in curriculum, but it was just a physical fitness program. And it was based purely off heart rate for the kids. They did an initial heart rate baseline. Mm-hmm. And then they implemented a regular exercise program that they would all do before they went to class. And this is in a book called Spark, which he's a Harvard MD psychologist. And uh, the results of it was was nothing short of mind-blowing because without any curriculum change, they skyrocketed from near last in the world to first in the world. This is some little podunk school in America, which we don't have a good history of having good schools. So that's pretty astonishing, the fact that just that was able to make these kids smarter. Wow. But as, as far as what the book essentially said is that the mental benefit, I mean, the physical benefits is of working out, we all know, and it's cool, um, but especially aerobic work. Um, but the mental benefits make the physical bene- benefits pale in comparison. Right. And I, think, I don't think the same can always be said about high-intensity outputs. Because, I mean, this is subjective, but a lot of times if I tap into those like more glycolytic energy systems and I really tax my nervous system mm-hmm. my brain is not <laughs> as fried as, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not as I'm not gonna yep. be as cogn- cognitively right. aware as if I was to do a slow run right you know I, f- I feel like smoother I can talk better I can communicate better um, but if I just like hammer Fran and then my heart rate's at like 200 and then I'm back yeah. down in five minutes and there's significant research indicating research indicating that the uh residual leftover of lactic acid without clearing it, like doing a, a recovery. Like I know um, a lot of the, the athletes here and a lot of the people here, they'll go off on a recovery walk. If you don't do that, that lactic acid can result in some mood disorders like anxiety, depression. If you just leave it there, you don't take some time to recover afterwards, you don't downregulate. Yeah. Um, so like, purging it by doing like an active recovery after. Um, like walking, just walking for eight minutes, yeah. whatever. Even your heart too. Like if you go from a max heart rate and then just lay down on the ground, yeah, um, that's not good for your heart. Right? Like no, it's it not. It needs to be slowly 
yeah. slowly back down it also needs to be slowly built up yeah. yeah i have a habit of anytime i finish a workout re- kind of regardless of what it is i'll try to get right on a bike and mm-hmm. ride slow for like five minutes or yeah. walk and a lot of times people are like oh you didn't get enough in the workout but it's like no, <laughs> no i just actually i need to move more, yeah exactly i'm, yeah. I'm purposefully doing yeah. this yeah like, i'll go and like i won't lay down i'll fit i'll walk around and fist bump and like just try to control my breathing and just keep yeah. moving and yeah um, but yeah walk last thing i want to do yeah. is lay down yeah sit. yeah i used to because that's what that was the cool thing to do but well i used to try and finish workouts harder than i did yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my knees felt like i needed to yeah. yeah now i try and finish in standing and talking I um, think, what was it miko salo he said oh if you're like a dying animal yeah <laughs> yeah he never wanted to be like, like a, dying a dying animal, animal. yeah yeah uh, i always liked him yeah. uh i always i try and double up on uh so whenever I, my active recovery, I just try and shoot right outside for the added benefit of sunlight. Because mm-hmm. the more sunlight we can get, the better. And of course, us as modern humans are falling abysmally mm-hmm. short of enough sunlight. Yeah. So that's, a, I mean, that's, I feel like that's a pretty good strategy to, to yeah, get plus, some free sunlight, right? Plus, we usually have our shirts off, so. Yeah, even more. Win, win, win right? for everybody. <laughs> everyone uh, wins. All everyone. the bystanders <laughs> outside. The liver king. Yeah. That's liver king science. <laughs> Oh, so what about modalities, right? Zone two, obviously can be applied, that or even just aerobic training period can be applied to almost any movement, but things that, that I think are good are like low impact, like swimming, um, rowing without the uh, intense bursts, uh, mm-hmm. things like rucking that you've talked about, rucking, right? Gaining like benefits it. of the, uh, or even hiking, right? It's kind of the same idea, but maybe carry a pack. Or a, little, or a child, small child. Or a child. Or a child, yeah. yeah. Lower impact things that are not going to stress the joints as much as maybe, say, sprinting or, uh, you know. Yeah, or even like moving jump. moving heavy loads over long distances. That, bring, that spikes your heart rate up pretty high. So staying away from heavy loads, obviously. Or even like, I mean, you can slow down burpees. So. Yeah. What one, uh, you remember, do you remember this part in the book, The Comfort Crisis? Where they they talked about because it's I know a lot of people have heard that humans are born to run. Um, the George McDougall book talks about that and how we're the best endurance animals on the planet. Um, but this book makes an argument that we're actually far better carriers than we are runners. And if we look at the data behind the injury rates of running, unless you've learned the skill of running, and even if you've learned the skill of running, if you're over, because a lot of us modern humans are a lot bigger. Right. than how we used to be if you're like I'm 185 and I'm or anywhere from 185 to 195 <laughs> but I'm by no means fat but just because I'm carrying so much uh, that's damaging on my joints for that high impact of running even though I know how to run really well yeah and, um, and especially like running on pavement you know just yeah. flat long running in yeah. shitty shoes the, uh, the, it, it, even when they did um, research on special operations guys that by far, the biggest injuries came from running injuries, and almost none, almost non-existent for um, rucking, for mm-hmm. carrying weight. And it develops, you get, you mimic almost exactly the uh, cardiovascular benefits of running um, without the risk of injury that running has, because it's seven, seven to eight times more impact on the knee than mm-hmm. something like rucking is. And then the rucking on the, on the other side of that too, develop strength as well as where running doesn't so much. When we did Pac Manat, was it Pac Manat we did as an outing? Yeah. And I had a vest and you had well, one of the girls yeah. on your back. Like, and we were going slow, just kind of yeah. chilling, but 
you know, a 40 minute hike at the top, like, you yeah, feel it doesn't like you take just much. ran yeah, five until, miles, yeah, you know? exactly, yeah. You're, yeah. you're drenched in sweat, but yeah. you're, I wasn't like sore or anything, you know, it was just like, right. That continuous blood flow and yeah. demand on your aerobic system. Yeah, hiking with them and swimming, I think, Swimming's are great. Like, I, I started doing those even before I was consciously trying to do uh, like lower intensity zone two type stuff. And I noticed how much better I felt after swimming and hiking and all that. Yeah, so. I, the thing with swimming is that unless you have taught yourself how to swim well again, I mean, right. the water's a thousand times more dense than air. That it could it has there's a propensity for it turning real anaerobic real quick. Right. Guilty. <laughs> trying to muscle your way through the water when right. you can't do that with water it just won't happen. And swimming is cool too because you have to if if you know the technique yeah, you yeah. have to breathe you have yeah. to control your breathing and and it almost is, oh, yeah I guess like when I do it 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 is out through the nose in through the mouth yeah and that, no what, you could do out through the nose too but that that's definitely an observed result from swimming yeah. it actually for people with asthma it's really if they're not in a chlorinated like over chlorinated pool it's yeah. really helpful for yeah. people with asthma because one another thing that it does is help swimming the way that you're supposed to be breathing it helps develop your co2 tolerance yeah. as well so a lot of times people that learn to swim when they start being regular swimmers it, it'll diminish the effects of bad asthma attacks that, or it will diminish the frequency of them. Huh. Um, but the mic, even the, the modalities, uh, my opinion on that is that, uh, of course, cyclical is going to be the easiest way to stay in a zone two because there's not a skill requirement as much so as something like this like modality. You mean like monostructural movement? Yeah, monostructural, yeah. Yeah, so anything monostructural, you're going to have an easier time staying within that true zone too. Mm -hmm. Right, and so it, you can just slow down or speed up. Yeah, and you could add things like burpees or pull-ups and you could still stay within that zone too. Right. So it's just more of a learning curve to be able yeah. to do it. Because it's tempting to, like pull-ups for example, to, if you can do 20 in a row, it's tempting to do yeah. 10, and then you drop down and you notice your heart rate yeah. are getting close. But say you go about it, or maybe you do Russian swings, and you farmer's carries, and then you do right. a front-leaning rest. Yeah. Then, that, I mean, those, depending on the movement, those are easier to stay within that zone. Right. Zone two is more so than, let's say, a tall box jump. Right? Mm. I think, that, again, bring it back to the very first thing we said, walking is an excellent modality. Yep. All right. If you walk with purpose, if you're like mindful of your posture, you're mindful of your cadence, you're mindful of your breath, um, that can, that one thing, like just going for a 10 minute walk once, twice, three times a day, can be a huge tool for people. Yeah. For weight loss, oh, yeah. for improved clarity in your cognition, right. for just recovery. But yeah. people don't think of like, I'm going for a walk, as, especially CrossFitters. We don't think like, oh, I'm going to get something out of this walk. Yep. Exactly. But you yep. do. But then right. if you can if you can uh, double the, the mental effect with it by tuning out too, like, mm -hmm. don't bring your phone, don't listen to uh, podcasts. Maybe just walk and for once throughout the day just observe what's around you. Mm -hmm. Then you'll get even more benefit from it. You use it as a chance to just tune out from the rest of your busy day. Yeah. Unplug. Unplug. And I think kind of a like we don't want to sound like we're bashing on high intensity either because it's just like all it's good to steal from all the different modalities like that kind of is the it is the methodology of crossfit is just switching things up so get your heart rate up really high keep it low lift heavy loads do gymnastics like mix it all up because there's going to be there's benefits everywhere and 
just you know weightlifting it gets bone density muscle mass but if that's all you do then it starts become creating like pathological stuff and yeah um and so even like zone two training if that's all you do and you don't do any strength training right. then you're going to miss out on other stuff so yeah. it's not like we're saying just do it, zone two so don't be a don't just turn it and tag on to that like anaerobic weight resistance training is, right. is I would say, are you equally as important for like right. bone density and, and health, uh, like for longevity? One of right. the biggest determinants of uh, it might be all-cause mortality is your ability to squat, right? Like into yeah. your into yeah. your later years. Yeah. If yeah. you have the the mobility and the strength to go to depth in a squat or to pick things up off the ground, or pick yourself up off the ground, like those are, you know, strength metrics that are actually life changing when you're old. Yeah. yeah. And Chris Hinshaw, who's a you know, big proponent of this stuff. He used to be a triathlete yep. and he couldn't touch his toes. He was like a, just a broken dude. And then when he started doing CrossFit, he started getting healthy again. Mobile um, and strong. So he's kind of bringing, or he, he brought the the benefits of the longer, lower intensity stuff to CrossFit, but he's not he's not diminishing the importance of typical straight yeah, uh, straight on CrossFit either. Yeah. It all serves each other. Right. right. Have a complete picture of fitness. Yeah. And then, you know, knowing your body and knowing where you're at, knowing how old you are, um, then you can, you know, start changing it a little bit. So, yeah. like, the prescription of how much to do and what to do is really, really dependent on you. So, like, we have the class programming and... You know, even that you can change. So if we have like Cindy, for example, maybe you take that day to just cap your heart rate, you know, because yeah. it's a longer workout. Probably desired intensity yeah. rather than just high intensity. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. if we have Fran, then that's probably not a good good day to do yeah. that. <laughs> and just like cruising along in a, yeah. on forty five <laughs> reps, one thruster at a time. Yeah. Singles, baby. Yeah. And if you're like twenty, then maybe. You, you know, you do Cindy hard, you charge it. And then if you're 60, then maybe you do the majority of the workouts at a lower intensity and just focus on mechanics and yeah, yeah. always focus on mechanics, I should say. Yeah. Even I if you are 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll serve you well if you can okay. get that in your head yeah. early. Uh, what time is it? Close to our time cap here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Uh, we haven't had a good suggestion for a specific to- topic in a while. So, um, we had like two or three beforehand that gave us a full episode. So if you guys, again, think of things, especially during the open that come up or movements or subjects that we just haven't even touched on, we'd love to hear feedback. Um, and we'll do our best to give you guys the information that you need. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next time. Return of the Sith Lord next time. <laughs>